of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I am one of your hosts, Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Rude. Jacob, basketball is coming back, allegedly, one day. Uh, we're coming up on three months soon. Has it felt like three months? Has it felt shorter, longer? Everything is blended together. Um, I said this a couple times, kind of half-joking, but time is basically just a construct during the lockdown. And honestly, it has not felt like three months. Uh, I blinked a little bit when you said that because, man, it still feels like uh, like just last week that I, you and I jumped on here to talk about the league just being canceled on a dime and Man, three months. It has been a wild time. I sorely, sorely miss basketball. I was browsing YouTube today, looking at old Zion videos, trying to uh, get that fiend uh, because, man, I miss watching him. I miss watching – watch. I would even watch like a Warriors-Cavs game right now, and I would I would soak every, every second of it in. That is – yeah, I, I think I – I think I told Harrison or you the same thing not too long ago, and I, one of you wasn't willing to follow me down that rabbit hole. I it was... might have been me, but at this point, <laughs> it very well might have been me. I might have pretended that I had some like higher moral compass or something, but not nah, at this point. Like, give me literally anything. <laughs> you don't want to see uh, Andre Drummond post up Marquise Chris for God knows how many possessions. I would absolutely love to watch that happen. <laughs> I don't even care. I will watch Marquise Chris miss 43 pointers in a game and watch Andre Drummond rebound every one of them at this point. It's so funny. If, if somebody told me that that Lakers Bucks game was last year's NBA finals was game seven, I would have believed them. I would have been like, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Those games, somehow, like, everything I just said is true. It feels like the, it was just yesterday you and I were talking about um, the season coming to an end. But also somehow, despite that Lakers-Bucks game being, like, five days before that conversation we had, it feels like a million years away. Like, so much happened in, like, those five days between those two Laker wins and, like, the whole world coming to a complete shutdown that that felt like it was a month in itself and then since then it's just it is absolutely flown by i have watched so many netflix shows so many um on demand movies and and everything like i've done everything i can shout out to uh I'm trying to think who who said it. i think justin russo I don't know if some of you guys follow him on Twitter. He's the one who told me about Amazon Prime having a whole bunch of Hardwood Classic games, uh, which if you didn't know, if you just go search Hardwood Classics on Amazon Prime, there is a huge catalog, much bigger than what the NBA has. Um, 
and I went. I've watched a ton of those games. I watched Shaq's uh, 61 point game against the Clippers, which was hilarious because that was Shaq at his peak and the Clippers in their own way at their peak. Um, just stuff like that. But man, I, I'm getting tired of watching these old NBA games and all this terrible spacing and and all of that. I'm ready for some. Some new basketball, which, like you said, feels like it's on the horizon. Yeah, the the good news for you and me, Jacob, is that if when the NBA does resume, assuming it does, and it sounds like it will, uh, we won't have to see the the Warriors and the Cavs play. And if we do, it'll likely only be for a few games. Um, but to recap everything that's gone on over the past weeks, I almost going on a month, uh, the NBA is likely to resume in late July, early August per multiple reports at at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Uh, Obviously not in the park in ESPN's... uh, That'd be way cooler. (laughs) I don't know if uh, the Bucks... I I feel like the Bucks just wouldn't play if that was the case. I found out out today that um, they're they're hoping to open the park on July 11th. Yeah, I saw that. Which, I don't know why. I thought it was going to be like, um, you know that amusement park in Zombieland? Yeah, yes. That's what I thought the NBA was going to be walking into when they they played. But apparently not. Apparently they're going to reopen. And so by the time the NBA is ready to resume its season, the, the parks will be open in full swing. Don't know if the hotels will be open. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait a little while to see that. Still two months out, which feels absolutely insane. Uh, but it does seem like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We kind of know when and where it will be played. What we still don't know, Jacob Rood, is how it will be played. Uh, but we do, uh, again, it, it it is just hearsay at this point, but... We do have an idea, or at least an idea of what's being discussed among uh, team owners, general managers, uh, things of that nature. And the most recent update we got was from Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer on Thursday, uh, who reported that NBA Commissioner Adam Silver held a conference call with NBA general managers on Thursday to review the results of the survey that was delivered to teams last week regarding potential formats to resume play. Among... The scenarios that have been discussed are a play-in tournament, which, as you and I know, uh, has been something Adam Silver's been pushing for quite a while now. And we talked about it right when the season was suspended. If there were ever a time for Adam Silver to take a risk, I think it would be now, uh, considering the teams that are still mathematically in the hunt for that eighth seed in the Western Conference. Um, So the play-in tournament, I could totally see happening uh, I believe it was part of the NBA's official proposal um, in the new collective bargaining agreement like a year ago. So that's really interesting to me. The other scenario that's being discussed is a World Cup style group stage uh, in the first round, which, again, would be a pretty drastic change. But if there were ever time to do it, it would be now. Of those two scenarios, Jacob, which one do you lean more towards? Oh, I feel like I speak for a lot of us in saying the World Cup style. Um, It does feel like, you mentioned it, it does feel like not just Adam Silver, but 
pretty much everyone in the league is open to experimenting, I guess is the best way to put it with how this season ends um, because it's such, it's so unprecedented. And I think one of the big things is that having everyone together is going to lend itself to um, being able to try new things. Um, Like a lot of people have discussed seeding teams one through 16, just based on record and throwing out the, uh, the conference format. Um, the big kind of hang up in that has always been, um, travel and whatnot. That obviously won't be a case now. So I'm sure that's been mentioned. Um, but it, I mean, that's also the reason why this world cup style format was even remotely possible because, uh, everybody's going to be right there together. Um, it's one of those things, if you kind of um, look at the some of the proposals, it would need some working because I know his name uh, is not liked among Laker fans, but I was listening to Bill Simmons talk with Kevin O'Connor today, and they were kind of going back and forth about how you would sort teams inside of these groups. Um, you would pretty much have to kind of do it snake style, I think, um, to make it fair. Because I know some people discuss just drawing it random. That doesn't seem, basically, it doesn't feel like it gives enough of an advantage to the top teams, who were the best teams this season. Um, because then you get a situation where the Lakers might have to play the Celtics, Thunder, and Mavericks in the same group or something like that. Yeah. Um, you get those group of death scenarios. So, but regardless, I mean, I think it, a lot of us favor the World Cup format just because it's so different. Um, it would solve a lot of the issues, especially with basically the bottom of the Western Conference and how to include the Blazers, Pelicans, Kings, and Spurs. Um, you'd be able to include the, them as well. You'd be able to play games pretty much nonstop throughout the day. Um, it would still lend itself to a playoff-style format. I believe the idea was that the top two teams would advance um, from each group, and then it's a best of, or it's eight teams left, seven-game series for each. You still get the playoffs. So that felt like the most fun way to end the season. I don't know if it necessarily would have rewarded the best team. I. Th- still think it probably would have um, because if you can't make it out of a group, then you probably weren't the best team anyway. Yeah. So um, it was definitely the most fun way, but unfortunately it doesn't seem like the GMs agreed because uh, yes, yeah, Kevin O'Connor in his piece said 75% favored a play in tournament versus 25% favoring this world cup group stage format. And I, I see the logic behind that and i admittedly i lean towards more towards the play-in tournament because like you said the idea of and and the ringer tweeted out their possible group stage draw uh the day kevin o'connor dropped his report uh earlier this week in the proposed draw and again we have no idea how this would how this would be drawn or how the groups would be balanced out but in that group, the Lakers would have the Heat, Rockets, Magic, and Pelicans. And 
I think comparing that group to the teams the Lakers would play in a in a play or sorry, they, they wouldn't even play. We're talking about ten uh, opponents in a play-in tournament, um, being the Memphis Grizzlies, Sacramento Kings, San Antonio Spurs, New Orleans Pelicans, and uh, boy, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Blazers. The Blazers. Oh yeah, the 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 team I'm personally most concerned about, but we can talk about that um, a little later. But you get what I'm saying? Like, of of those two options, I'd much rather play one of those teams than have to play more like more than one of those teams in in a in a group of death because the other the other groups they've they proposed in their little mock-up i'll go group by group uh, group one is bucks jazz sixers grizzlies blazers which i think looking at that group i think i could pretty confidently pick the bucks and sixers to come out of that um group two is lakers heat rockets magic pelicans again you can probably predict that the lakers come out of that but the heat and rockets are very good teams um don't know if they're better than the lakers especially not with playoff lebron james uh but it does make for an interesting conversation especially if you catch the lakers on an off night uh their chemistry isn't where it was when the season was suspended that stuff worries me uh and just to to finish the groups off Group three would be the Raptors, Celtics, Thunders, Mavericks, Spurs. And group four would be the Clippers, Nuggets, Pacers, Nets, and Kings. I don't know about you, Jacob, but it feels it feels like group one and two are just pretty stacked. And group three and four would uh, have it pretty easy. Unless I'm just completely misreading uh, the, the competition in those groups. Uh, I will say that I had thought of it entirely the different the other way. Uh I mean, to me, the Jazz lost Bogdanovich. That's going to be a huge hole. Whoever, I, I mean, it, no telling how this Rudy and Donovan Mitchell dynamic is or how it will be going forward. I think the Bucks and Sixers are probably the pretty clear teams in the group one. Lakers, I think, are um, pretty solidly better than everybody else in their group. Heat and Rockets would be close. Um, but out after that, I mean, the Pelicans have been fun. They've struggled a lot still. Um, I think either the heater rockets would be able to handle them, but I mean, group three is a absolute ridiculous Raptors Celtics. The Celtics, I believe have the fourth or excuse me, the fifth best record. Um, so you're looking at Raptors Celtics. The Thunder, the Mavericks. The Mavericks are like the seven seed right now uh, in the West, and they would be in the fourth tier. Um, I don't care much for the the Spurs this season, but those other four teams, the idea that two of them wouldn't be moving on um, would be wild. And then, I mean, group four, Clippers, Nuggets, Pacers are going to be three really good teams and six or however many really good games the nets theoretically who knows with durant if Kyrie is going to come back theoretically they could be good um which would just add more in intrigue to that um so i mean to me it creates a lot more interesting matchups but again i can understand why gms wouldn't favor that because um 
I mean, why would a team like the Mavericks, the Thunder, pretty much any of those teams in Tier 3 and 4, um, and probably a lot of the teams in Tier 2, probably aren't going to favor this because a play-in tournament means they're just in. Yeah. And this format means that they're going to have to battle to get a playoff spot. So I can understand why those teams wouldn't be for it. Um, my hope is that Adam Silver says, okay, cool. I'm still going to do a world cup format. Can you imagine <laughs> what the ratings would be for if they can get this going? If a lot of the country is still in lockdown, like the ratings for these games would be through the roof, just all day basketball on. That would be so much fun to watch these games. Yeah. I, and it likening it to the world cup. I mean, that's basically all the world cup is, is just soccer all day long. Yep. And I certainly, um, I remember waking up when the world cup was in South Africa at like, God, I want to say four o'clock in the morning uh, to watch that it was, opening. It was early in the east. So, yeah, I would imagine it was middle of the night in the West Coast. It was a uh, opening day, the opening game for the World Cup. I was just like, God, I love this so much. <laughs> I don't yeah. care how, how early or late, however you want to call it, it is. Um, but, yeah, that would, be, that would be tons of fun. Um, but a- according to Kevin O'Connor's report, uh, teams with the top seeds, such as the West leading Lakers and East leading Bucks, are in favor of a play-in tournament, and you can only guess why. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's all the same. Re- that's just going to be the reasoning for every team is that the play-in tournament's easier. Like just yeah. straight, straightforward. There, and I mean I can't really fault them for voting for themselves basically, but I mean the play in tournament's easier for them. And then they, those two teams get to play a really bad team in the first round and they're basically guaranteed a spot in the top eight. The only thing that worries me a little bit with the plan plan tournament, even as somebody that thinks it would put the Lakers at a competitive advantage is that I worry that the games that are played before any of the like legitimate playoff teams get there. Um, I worry that those teams will be at a bit of an advantage because they'll have an opportunity to shake the rust off before like the Lakers or the Bucks or Clippers do. It would be interesting to see because I, I was discussing this with, with some friends tonight. You would have to do something with the teams that aren't in the play in tournament because like you said, that's just a very distinct advantage for those teams in the play-in tournament to have played, I don't know what the format is, one, two, however many games, while everyone else hasn't. Um, I don't know if it'd be as simple as just playing a exhibition preseason-style couple of those games against one another while the play-in tournament's going on. Um, maybe that's where the other 10 teams left out of this come in, and maybe they come around and play some exhibition games or something. I don't know. I, it seems like also reading the Kevin O'Connor's piece today that pretty much the bottom 10 teams in the league are just like their season's done and they're just kind of being left out of everything just for simplicity's sake. I mean, um, it's a whole lot of more players and teams and, um, personnel associated with the team that you don't have to bring into this scenario. It's just simpler that way. Um, it does, it does seem like it's just going to come down to these 20 teams, basically the top 16 teams and the four teams in the 
uh, bottom or in the next four teams in the West. So, um, yeah, I mean, can understand why these guys are voting the way they are. It's going to be something though that, um, no matter what Adam Silver decides, he's not going to make everybody happy. Which this is going to be one of the probably the first time he's going to make a decision that isn't kind of an easy decision. He's been a terrific commissioner but he's had a lot of fairly easy decisions to make. Like, he handled the Donald Sterling thing great, but in reality, there's only one way to handle that. So it's stuff like that where now he's going to make some people mad. So um, he that I think that's one of the reasons why he's just taking in so much information from so many people. Um, that's why they sent out the survey. That's why they've had a couple different conference calls that's why he's meeting with the board of governors on uh friday um i think he's taking in as much information as he can it just seems to me that i mean another thing that um simmons and o'connor talked about too is think about how much more profitable a world cup style would be in terms of getting in um, whether it be advertising, commercials, um, trying to save some of that TV money. Because, um, I mean, these TV stations um, would be clamoring to put as much basketball as they can on TV and get the um, virtual F1 races and the MLB tournaments and the throwback games off the TV. So, I mean... I legitimately think they could probably televise every game nationally um, if they do this World Cup format. And maybe you get a sponsor for the whole tournament and do stuff like that. But, I mean, it seems more financially advantageous to do the World Cup format. But, I mean, the the survey kind of speaks for itself. Is Adam Silver willing to anger three-quarters of those teams surveyed? to to do this World Cup format, I'd be surprised if he did, but I'd be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it is. From everything we've learned about Adam Silver as a commissioner over the past five years, it just seems like he's a really big European soccer fan. Yes, <laughs> and, and he just wants to implement something, uh, if not for for his own sake. Uh, but yeah, I I agree with you. I think what we know right now, and again, what we know isn't a lot because. Everything is is just, you know, skepticism right now and uh, speculation. Uh, but it does sound like it will be the eight best teams from the Eastern and Western Conference plus the four teams in the mix in the Western Conference. Uh, we're going to take a quick little break. And when we get back, we'll take a look at uh, some of the teams at the, the bottom of the Western Conference and um, what meeting up with them would mean for the Lakers. So that'll be us when we get back. Jacob, before we get into this, I want to get your thoughts on the 1-16 to 16 format. Because I think the general consensus is that the Eastern Conference was the weaker, weaker conference by a lot this season. Uh, you can just see that by looking at the standings. Um, I mean, the fact that <laughs> the Eastern Conference, uh, the teams outside of the playoff bubble in the Eastern Conference won't be competing at all, I think speaks for itself. But doing a 1-16 through 16 tournament... How do you think that would benefit the Lakers as opposed to a play-in tournament? 
Um, I'd have to. I'm gonna pull up the standings while they talk about this. It is also telling, as you mentioned, that I mean the nine, ten, eleven, twelve seeds in the West have all clamored to um, be included in this, and the Wizards are the nine seed in the East, and there hasn't been a peep. Like I think they would rather play the game so that they can lose more to get a higher draft pick. Um, but I mean, I think there's a big difference in maybe not as much in the first round because they're probably still going to play a Western Conference team um, in the 1 through 16 style. It's probably like the second round where you see a difference. Um, I'm not going to be able to do this in my head, but I mean, instead of playing a team like um, the Jazz or Thunder, they're going to play a much, much easier team Um I was trying to do whatever seven, eight would be overall, but <laughs> I, I, I can't do that math quick enough, but I mean, they're going to play a much easier team um, in the second round. It kind of delays. Um, I mean, theoretically you could see a Lakers Clippers final. It really loses a lot of its luster when it's Lakers Clippers in Orlando. Um, but you're basically pushing off when you have to play the, the Clippers, the Bucks, um, the Raptors, um, even teams like the Nuggets, who I think the Lakers match up fine with. But the further you can push them down the road, the better that is. So I don't. It probably isn't going to change who they play much in the first round, just because the um, Eastern Conference basically is able to pad their record a little bit with the Clevelands, the Atlantas, the Detroits, the New Yorks. Um, but it's going to change who they play in the second round. And, and it's also going to push matchups with the Clippers down the road. And the longer that they can hold off facing the Clippers, especially given the situation where they're going to be rusty as hell whenever they come back, the longer they can wait to play the, the Clippers or teams like that, the better off it's going to be. So I, there are still positives to be to the 1-16 to 16 format, especially for the Lakers. But again, it's just not as fun. I know before the pandemic started, I joked that I joked, joke it. <laughs> I joked that uh, the Clippers were going to be at a bit of an advantage um, if if games were played with no fans, because that's just how they they've played them for the past I don't know how many decades with no fans in the stadium. So that's, uh, that's a little jab I got in. I think it still holds true. Only yes. kind of I'm only half joking. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I I agree with that sentiment. Um, when it comes to the first round, the Lakers would play the Nets, and unless Kyrie and KD are playing, which I don't think they will, um, you know, playing the Nets and playing the Grizzlies or you know any of the other teams that are in the conversation, I don't think is a huge difference. Uh, but the second round is is where it gets interesting. Um, I don't think that's something we have to worry about yet, but it is definitely a topic that will be worth revisiting if Adam Silver does change his mind, decides to mix things up. Uh, what I did want to talk about uh, before we head out is I wanted to touch on something we touched on earlier in the season when teams were still in the hunt for the eighth seed in the Western Conference. It's that same tight competition uh, that has forced the NBA to consider putting more than 16 teams in the playoffs. Um, and a- according to Adrian Wojnarowski's report from earlier this week, 
he kind of reiterated the idea that 20 teams will be in the postseason, uh, which only, you know, solidifies that it probably will be 20 as opposed to the usual 16. Uh, and the teams that he has heard would likely be involved are the Pelicans, the Trailblazers, the Spurs, and the Kings. Uh, and those are the teams we talked about earlier in the season when it came to the teams that the Lakers could potentially match up with in the first round. Not much has changed since then. Uh, Zion Williamson's back with the Pelicans. I don't know if he was back then, uh, but we've seen the Lakers play against the Pelicans since then. It just seems like LeBron James gave Zion whatever he had, and that was enough for them to handily beat them. Uh, so it's not them I'm so much worried about. I think it would be an interesting series. I think it would be probably the most fun four or five game series in in the playoffs this season. Uh, but I, unless I'm mistaken, Jacob, I don't see them as a huge threat. Zion played two of the four Lakers-Pelicans games. Um, the second one... He played well in both. The second one, uh, Anthony Davis did not play, and he had 35 points. Um, the first one, AD did play. He had 29 points, but was 8 of 18, which for Zion, considering how well he's played this year, that is actually one of his worst shooting nights. It is his worst shooting night. Oh, it's his second worst. Um, but so the thing with the Pelicans is – the Lakers match up well with them, um, especially if they go with Anthony Davis at the five, because um, that either forces the Pelicans to play Derek Favors or Zion. Um, Derek Favors has been their kind of anchored defensively all year, so it would seem like they would stick with playing uh, Zion, and that either means... They play both Favors and Zion, and LeBron's matched up on Zion, and I'll take that matchup offensively all day. Um, or it means that one of that probably Favors is off the floor, and the Lakers have a pretty big advantage on the offensive end that way. So I think the other big thing that helps him in a Pelicans matchup is the Pelicans are playing really well um, at the end of the season. They had a ton of momentum. Um, they... I was trying to do it real quick here. In their final um, 13 games, they were 9-4. and four. Um, So they lost all of that momentum. How much they'll be able to get that back will be interesting. Um, so I, I like a matchup for the Pelican or against the Pelicans. I mean, we saw they really don't have anybody to put on LeBron. We saw especially... That second game, um, Drew Holiday, poor man, was trying his best to defend LeBron. <laughs> and LeBron went 14-21, had 34-13-12. I think that would be the type of numbers LeBron would be able to put up the whole series against the Pelicans. And uh, to Drew Holiday's <laughs> credit, he's actually pretty damn good on big wings. Like, any other wing but like LeBron and Giannis that I've seen him defend this season. Uh, he's been great, which is why Gentry's put him on LeBron every time they played. Uh, it's just LeBron is obviously in a tier of his own. 
not even elite defensive wings, his size can stop him. So um, I agree with that. Is, is there other teams? Cause I, from, from my conversations with you, it doesn't sound like you're worried about any of these teams at the bottom half of the Western conference. Um, but if you had to, to pick another team that you're just confident the Lakers would just run through in that first round, uh, who would you pick? The Spurs easily. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I am, think so too. I am not remotely worried about the Spurs this year. Uh, the Lakers are a terrific matchup with them. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge, he always, when the Lakers were tanking or not tanking or whatever they were doing, rebuilding, um, they, LaMarcus Aldridge, I felt like every game just torched the Lakers. Like they had nobody who could defend him um, kind of in that mid post area. I still have like nightmares of him shooting like turnaround fadeaways over Julius Randle. Um, it has been particularly enjoyable this season to watch Anthony Davis manhandle him um, and just have his way against the Marcus Aldridge and just having someone um, to defend that man because just on a personal level, I was absolutely tired of seeing LaMarcus Aldridge just torch um, the Lakers. So uh, that team just doesn't I honestly don't even know how they're in the playoff picture. Like, I'll admit I haven't watched a ton of the Spurs this year. Um, maybe it's just a byproduct of how bad the um, rest of the bottom of the Western Conference has been. But, like, they just don't worry me at all. Like, their two best players are, like, the antithesis of what modern NBA is. Yeah. Um. They just don't shoot three-pointers. I think they're one of the lowest teams, even in just three-pointers attempted. Um, just nothing about them. Like, is there anything about that team that worries you? Um, I guess Pop, but that's yeah. really it. Like, But I think Vogel has, has outcoached some good coaches this year, uh, yeah. namely Rick Carlisle. That, that play he drew up for Danny Green in their their first game with the Mavericks was just magical. Um, Do you think he told Dwight Howard to hold on to <laughs> I think it was Seth Curry, I can't remember who it was. I, I believe it was Seth, but yeah. Um I, I mean I hope so. I I think I I don't know. I don't care. I honestly don't. <laughs> like the the same way that uh Julius and Larry set screen like illegal screens uh <laughs> yes. in Kobe's final game. I'm willing to look away. It's uh, it was a pretty shot that went in. But yeah, I mean, I, they deserve it for uh, randomly defending LeBron at the rim. Like I don't know why <laughs> they. I can't remember who it was. Maxi Cleaver, maybe somebody ran at LeBron at the rim, and it's like you know they're down three, and there's like three seconds left. Like, <laughs> why would you even do that? I don't even know why LeBron jumped. Like, it all worked. But yeah, they deserve it for racing at at him. Yeah, I, I I do believe it was uh, Maxi, but yeah, I mean, any any team that's coached by Pop, they're bound to make it interesting for at least half of the game. Uh, but any any team that LeBron James faces that has Demar DeRozan on the roster, I feel pretty confident about. So not a giant concern. I look at the other teams too. Um, 
Sacramento, I think, has a really enticing young core, and I feel like I've been saying that for the past God knows how many years. Uh, but they are coached by Luke Walton for, yeah. like, a- as much as I defended Luke Walton this season, seeing the way Kings fans have reacted to him, I, j- I just can't help but draw parallels to to what Lakers fans went through with him. And he has, Luke actually has the personnel, at least in theory, to run the Golden State Warriors style offense uh, that he was supposed to run with the Lakers. And that was always my biggest uh, quip with, with Luke Walton is that perhaps if he was given the shooting he needed and the personnel that he needed, he'd be able to run a competent basketball team. That hasn't been the case this year with the Kings. Um, granted, they haven't had the best luck with health, which, again, <laughs> Lakers fans can relate to. Uh, but, yeah, King, the Kings don't worry me much. Um, how many – or where do you think the Kings rank in pace in the league? Oof. Well, I know he wanted to play fast. Um, but that question, that question sounded leading. So it was a guess. leading question. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to guess like 28th close 23rd. Okay. Uh, I was surprised. I just pulled up, uh, advanced stats just to kind of get in my, an idea. Cause again, I watch a, more of the Kings this year than I have the Spurs, but not a lot of either. Um, yeah, I mean, as someone who also caped pretty hard for Luke when he was here, um, which I still wouldn't put all of the problems with the team on him. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, he obviously has a lot of flaws. Like, we saw him up close, and they're still not really fixed, basically, in Sacramento. And it's just a, it's another team that's kind of an odd fit together. Like, they've had to bench buddy because uh basically they didn't have room for him which i mean he's buddy healed it feels like you should just make room for him um they have too many wings i don't know why they ever went and got harrison barnes um i don't know why they have kent Bazemore. um they don't really have a lot of bigs do you know who their starting center is because i didn't uh so it is supposed to be marvin bagley Yes, but uh, since Bagley got hurt and then um, Rashawn Holmes got hurt midway through the season. So it's been Harry Giles, uh, but it is truly just a revolving door of starting centers because of the injuries they've had. But their their center depth is uh, Alex Len, who's actually been pretty good for them. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, Harry Giles and Marvin Bagley. Um, with some Nemanja Bialica mixed in at the center position, so uh, they have front court depth, just just not a lot of like defense. <laughs> so Anthony Davis is absolutely salivating at the sentence you just said about <laughs> their center rotation. Yeah, uh, like, they, they, they too. Yeah, they. I I like De'Aaron Fox. Um, I really like Buddy Heald. I like some other guys, um, but yeah, I mean, this is one of those teams where the Lakers playing big, they would absolutely punish Sacramento, I think, in a series, um, because they're just, 
they wear down teams in single games in the front court. Yeah. Uh, four games against the Lakers front court would just have poor Alex Lim battered and bruised by the end. <laughs> like, um, it'd be interesting to see how the Lakers handled some of those wing players, but nah, I mean the, the Kings, they wore me a little bit more than the Spurs, not as much as the Pelicans probably, but, um, not too terribly concerned with them. Wait, Jacob, but they have the former number two overall pick in the draft. Uh, and I'm not talking about Marvin Bagley. I'm talking about Jabari Parker. Is also Legitimately had no idea he was on the team until I looked up their depth chart. Yeah. I Is he even That doesn't change year? your mind at all? Yeah, I mean, has he even... Listen, as a, as a Duke fan, as one of many on this site, which I enjoy, <laughs> I've never enjoyed Jabari Parker at Duke. Um, which he was also a part of a team that uh, got upset in the tournament. So, but uh, never was particularly, he's never been an aesthetically pleasing player to watch. Um, and I honestly had absolutely no idea he was on the Kings until I looked up their depth chart. I'm trying to see, apparently he's only played one game for him. Yeah. Um, was he traded there? He was. Uh, so they opt. They chose to bring it. <laughs> well, I mean, that says a lot about the Kings and how worried we should be as they opted to bring in uh, Jabari Parker midseason. So with uh, assuming the Spurs, Kings, and um, Pelicans aren't much of a threat, and I think I put the Pelicans at the top of that list uh, just because I think there were loads of fun, and I think... Lonzo Ball, if, if for anybody that hasn't watched Lonzo Ball this season, I think he's made a bit of a leap. Um, probably not where most Lakers fans would have wanted him to be if he was still in a Lakers uniform. Um, his scoring game is still pretty limited, as you could probably expect with his shooting mechanics, which, to his credit, have improved. Um, it is not there. I think LaMelo's going to be really I think Lamelo is going to make an all-star game before Lonzo Ball does. If for no other reason, then he'll likely be playing in the Eastern Conference. It's an interesting proposition. I don't, well, actually, I don't know. I think Lamelo's a flashier player, which will kind of draw more of that attention. Lonzo's Especially been, if he's in New York. Yeah, which, I mean, the Knicks have done literally everything possible to let everybody know they really want Lamelo Ball. Um, Lonzo has been really good this year though the second half of the year and really I mentioned the final I think like 13 games like that stretch he was a huge reason why the Pelicans were um, playing so well he had a couple career nights back to back he's I want to say over the final 30 some odd games he was shooting like 41% from three um, but yeah, I mean, he's still pretty limited in, uh, in his, what he can do offensively. Like we all saw, um, he's actually started shooting some jumpers off the dribble and it absolutely blows my mind every time. Um, the last 28 games of the season, he was shooting 40.9% from three on six and a half attempts a game. So that part of his game seems to seems to have come around, but um, I'm I don't know that Pelicans team. They make a lot of silly mistakes. 
they're a horrible team in the clutch. Like when yeah. offenses slow down, they are absolutely lost, which I know that's another adage with playoff basketball. Um, they are, when they can't get out and run, they look like the young team that they are. Um, I just think in a kind of a playoff format, especially with guys like LeBron and AD, um, I mean, really the whole Lakers team is full of veterans. I think they'll be able to pick apart a team like the Pelicans. Um, but even then, when you have someone like Zion, I mean, Ingram was an all-star and we haven't even really mentioned him. Right. <laughs> um, he has made the leap that Lakers fans wanted him to see or wanted to see him make. Um, so, I mean, they have a lot of pieces. I think they're going to be a really good team next two, three, four years. Um, but this, I guess in some ways, it kind of reminds me of that OKC team that the Lakers played in uh, 2010, um, where Powell had the tip in at the, I think, game six to end the series, um, where like the next couple seasons, maybe not, they're maybe not quite at that brink yet, kind of at that spot, but Pelicans are going to be a really good team here in the uh, the next few seasons, but Lamelo will also be really good. I I I would. My first instinct was that you were crazy, but I think I'm coming around to it because yeah, <laughs> Lamelo's going to be in the East. He's just in general kind of a flashier player. Um, I don't know that either of them necessarily will be all stars, but if I had to lay money on it, I think Lamelo would be more likely to be one. Well, there we go. You came around eventually. <laughs> uh, the the last two teams we're looking at then um, are the Grizzlies, who currently vacate the number eight seed in the Western Conference, and the team right below them, the Portland Trailblazers. Um, on paper, I think you look at the Trailblazers and you just hope the Lakers don't draw them in the first round. Um, I. The, the games they played against them this season, uh, particularly, I want to say it's the first game they played against them. They just absolutely washed them, uh, made Melo look like just completely washed, uh, which you can argue that he is, but even they made him look even more so that game. Uh, but as long as Damian Lillard is on the court, I will always have some fear that the trailblazers will, will steal a game. Uh, and we really haven't seen the trailblazers at, at their best this season. Cause as, as disappointing as the trailblazers have been this season, uh, we're talking about a trailblazers team. That was the number three seed in the Western conference just last season. Granted that whole Western conference seeding was absolutely insane last season. Uh, but they were a good team. They look like a well-oiled machine. Uh, they've dealt with some unfortunate injuries. Um, obviously we talked about Nurkic, but you know, Rodney hood isn't going to play another game this season, which is crushing for them. But you look at how they match up with the Lakers on paper. They're pretty, um, like shallow at the wing, even after trading for Trevor Ariza. Uh, so I like that matchup, but again, Damian Lillard just scares me. Damon CJ worry me a lot. <laughs> it's another, yeah, I mean, goes without saying that Dame is terrifying. Um, I mean, I guess if you're trying to look at the glass half full again, it's another situation where 
I mean, he was playing at like an all NBA level for a good chunk of the season. He got hurt. I don't know that he even was playing when the season came to an end or a halt. Um, but you wonder if he'll be able to continue that level of play after it'll end up being about four or five months off. That's just going to be such an unknown about this. Um, I mean, it's kind of a cop-out answer. You could literally say for any of these, who knows? Because it almost like it's just going to be such a different feel. It's not going to feel like a continuation of the regular season, I don't think, or the season as a whole. It's going to almost feel like a restart. I mean, it is a restart, but a start of like a abbreviated season or something. It's just going to be so odd. Um, on paper, the, the Blazers are a scary team, but... I don't know how many of their guys, I think most of their team will probably be healthy by the time the season starts or restarts. Um, But then you're trying to integrate Zach Collins and uh, Yusuf Nurkic both back into the fold when you've had Hassan Whiteside and Mello playing a whole bunch in their positions. Um, Zach Collins was playing really well, but... I mean, are you going to bring him off the bench and continue to start Mello? Because I doubt that Mello is going to want to come off the bench. Um, the same with Whiteside. Everybody kind of knows about his temperament and personality. Are you going to bench him for Yusuf Nurkic? Um, on, uh, on paper, that team worries me more than I think they would on the court just because they have so many things they're going to have to iron out on top of just being, like you said, really shallow on the wing. Lakers don't really have a ton of wing players to punish them um, in that regard, but that's another team who I don't know who guards Anthony Davis. That was a huge problem they had, especially when they're playing big. If you can get Whiteside or Nurkic to guard the center, are you putting Zach Collins on Anthony Davis? Are you putting Mello? Like, they just don't really match up well with the Lakers. Please put Mello. Yeah, um, they just don't really match up well with the Lakers. So, But then again, nobody matches up with Dame. So if Dame gets on a hot stretch, I mean, we saw last season he can single-handedly end your season, uh, regardless if Paul George thought it was a good shot or not. Right. Uh, um, so Dame obviously is always going to be a worry, but I think Blazers fans would be just as worried about Anthony Davis because nobody's going to be able to match up with him. I, I mean, I'd hope so. I hope they're at least a little worried about well, yeah. Anthony Davis. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I totally, I totally see your point there. Um, and really the only reason I'm even remotely worried about the trailblazers starts and ends with um, Damian Lillard. But again, if, if you're talking about, Playoff LeBron James playing with one of the greatest big men, not just, you know, of this generation, but statistically one of the greatest big men of all time. Um, I like their chances. And I don't I don't mean to talk up the Blazers. I, I don't mean it as any sign of disrespect to the Grizzlies. I think what they've done this season is pretty incredible. I just think they're one of those teams that, are still a few pieces away from scaring me even a little bit. Like I really, really, really like uh, 
John and Jaron Jackson Jr. I think if Josh Jackson can get his stuff together, he can be another um, you know exciting piece to that puzzle. That's a big if. Um, Brandon Clark's also a lot of fun. DeAnthony Melton. You just go down the list. A lot of fun players on that team. I just think the Lakers match up well with them. Um, and I think you can't count on Ja or, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. having big nights in the postseason, at least not more so than than LeBron and Anthony Davis or even, you know, Damian Lillard or, and, and CJ McCollum. So uh, for that reason, I'd put them a little lower on the on the my fear level. But, um, you know, all all due respect to to everything they've been able to accomplish this season. Yeah, I mean, if anybody took the over on the Grizzlies, I don't know what it was. I'm sure they have absolutely obliterated it at this point. <laughs> um, but more power to you. I don't know. How, I would imagine the only people that did that are just diehard Grizzly fans because um, I don't know that anybody predicted them. Their over was 27 and a half, and they're 32 and 33. Um, so even in an abbreviated season, they're going to hit the over. So uh, I don't think anybody saw this. And they did all this without Iggy. Um, So they've been incredible. Um, They're another team that I see more as a threat down the road versus present. Um, They have a lot of players I really like. Like you mentioned, Ja. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a lot of fun. I liked Dylan Brooks coming out, and he's turned out to be a really good scorer. Um, I, I think pretty much all of NBA Twitter liked Brandon Clark. Um, Tyus Jones is probably my favorite, one of my favorite Duke players ever. He's been a, the fact he's still a backup is a little surprising, but he's been terrific for them. They have a lot of really good young pieces that I think will make them a threat down the road right now. I would say who guards LeBron on that team? Jay Crowder, I guess. Uh, no, he's in Miami. Um, yeah, I don't know who guards LeBron on that team. Um, Josh Jackson. <laughs> like, nobody particularly worries me in that regard. Um, maybe you put someone like Jaron Jackson on them, or I don't know. I don't know how you would do that. They're a fun young team, but they're a young team that, in a playoff format, that's going to be the big thing. It's It was always going to be a big plus for the Lakers was having all these veterans who have been in so many playoff games um, with a coaching staff that has been in playoff games. Vogel has been in a ton of high-intensity, kind of bright spotlight playoff uh, series, especially against LeBron himself. Um, Lionel Holland's kid was in a couple playoff series in Brooklyn, I believe. Um these guys know how to, I guess, kind of exploit teams, how things change in the playoffs. So I think that's going to be a big advantage for the Lakers. Really, you mentioned Pop is probably the only one that it won't be just an outright advantage for. Probably Terry Stotts as well, but I think the advantages on the court will outweigh that. So a lot of these young teams, I think, are uh, are going – they're fun, they're exciting, but they're young, and they don't bother me too much. I would put, if I had to rank them, I would put Pelicans first, probably the Blazers because of Dame, uh, the Grizzlies, 
then the Kings, and then the Spurs probably would be the order I'd put them in. I think you said Spurs twice there, brother, but... Um... Who did I... Oh, I don't know who I left out. <laughs> I, I don't think you left anybody out. I think you oh. listed six teams. Oh, well, um, I just wanted to be sure the Spurs were at the bottom. <laughs> um, if you had to guess which one of those teams the Lakers see uh, in the first round, assuming they do one through eight in the Western Conference, uh, who would you guess makes it out of that group? Who? Uh, probably the Pelicans or the Blazers, yeah. depending on how good Dame is right out of the gate. Um, those Pelicans-Blazers games were fun when... Dame was playing in them. Um, so if I had to guess, I'd probably right now lean toward the Pelicans because I think the Blazers are going to have a lot of problems kind of integrating everyone. But I think it'll be one of those two teams. I Yeah. If I, and if I had to pick just one, I, I think it would probably be the Trailblazers if Nurk and, and Collins are healthy. So uh, I guess we'll find out in two months' time. Uh, at least I hope we do. And uh, next week, we'll find something else to talk about. So, uh, Jacob, thank you for taking the time to talk to me as always. And thank you all for taking the time to listen to us. Babble on about basketball. Uh, we'll do more of it next week. So until then, we'll see you. <laughs>